0: From the wonderful world of sports, we bring you Home Run Derby, where each week the leading home run hitters of the major leagues will compete in a home run hitting contest. Good morning and welcome to episode 343 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. We are closing out the week with an email Friday. Um, and this is not an email that we're going to answer, but I don't know if you saw Ben. Did you see the email from uh, some press, you know, PR person who um, was trying to get us interested in "Low and in the Dirt"? Ken Griffey Jr. and me, baseball <laughs> stars' former best friend exposes extortion and destruction in blistering new book.
1: I did not. Did I well, receive that?
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't, I, I, I don't I've gotten it multiple times. Maybe it came to to mm-hmm. my account and not the podcast account, but. I just can't imagine a uh, a as a, a, a scandal book that has less of an audience. Like, who is yeah. out there that <laughs> just <laughs> wants to read dirt on Ken Griffey Jr.? Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're be <laughs> finally gonna get that guy. I
0: no, yeah, I mean, I, I would know. be. Mu- I think I I would be much more interesting, it, it, much more interested in reading a um, a tell-all book By Ken Griffey Jr.'s best friend about A Rod, maybe.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Sure. (laughs) Uh, But not about Griffey. I don't want to see anybody say anything bad about Griffey. No.
1: Yeah. Uh, All right. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah. No, that's it. That's the whole story.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I had an epiphany today uh, while I was. I think I figured out what kind of players I like or what characteristics of players I like because I was writing about. Aoki yeah uh, and I found myself
0: falling for him and I love Aoki. I was actually mad because that broke when my <laughs> when my pupils were dilated yeah <laughs> Aoki and and Muhika are both guys I consider my guys yeah yeah and I couldn't write about either one of them
1: yeah so I think for me it is it's either uh and I was thinking about like Hannigan and Gentry because he wouldn't let me talk about them and and why I like them and I think it I think it's either players who do something unique like they have one skill that is that is better that that no one else has or they just have something that they can repeat and it's it just sets them apart from all the other players because most players kind of you know are all just sort of a mass of of skills that are mostly the same, and they have the same skills to a greater or lesser degree. But people who do a, one unique thing are interesting. And then, I guess I like the the players who do something that just isn't captured by the stats that we usually look at. And I don't know whether what that says about me that I like that. That I I don't know. Like I like to feel superior or something for knowing those things about them or, or what? But, uh, but I think that's what it is.
0: Yeah. I also am, uh, the, the, the constant for my favorites also is, is generally one tool guys, people who are extremely good at one specific thing. And I think this has come up occasionally in, in email shows when we, when we respond to some of these questions, because, um, I feel like, uh, people like specialization in sports. And baseball is a sport that has very little specialization. Um, but when when I look at a guy like, um, uh, uh, you know, Nate Fryman, for instance, who is really, you know, great at one thing. he's He's been at, you know, an 1,100 OPS uh, against lefties every stop, uh, you know, of his career and can't do anything else. I just feel like there's got to be a way – um, that you could hide, that you could leverage all these one skills and hide all the the the, the other stuff and make a better baseball team. I I, I, I like I like an, I like a vision of the sport in which there is more specialization rather than less.
1: hmm Yeah. Me too.
0: Uh, all right. So uh, we're going to answer some questions. Um, most of them are going to be from uh, a guy named Sean who <laughs> gave us three questions and. Uh, They're all good So um, the first question is In this new age of baseball Where strikeout numbers are through the roof Who is the true benefactor? Is it the borderline pitcher Who might otherwise be toiling away in AAA But is now able to hold down a roster spot? Or is it the strikeout prone hitter Who offers value in other areas And is no longer looked down upon Because of his high strikeout rate? Or does anyone benefit any differently Than they did before?
1: Mm. Um, Well this makes me think of uh, one time that I was talking to Colin Wires when I was about to go on clubhouse confidential and and talk about rising strikeout rates. And I think a lot of people have have the idea that if uh, that if strikeout rates are rising, then a player who makes contact is is more valuable. Um, mm-hmm. And I was talking to Colin about this idea, and he th- thought it was the opposite that. That a player who strikes out a lot is better adapted for a high strikeout era, and and that that like the 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 rising strikeout rate tide, you know raises everyone's strikeout rate. It's not like the according to to him, it's not like the the contact hitters strike out less or that their strikeout rates will be affected less by a, a rising league average rate, um, and so a player who already is in the mold of a player who can succeed when there are a lot of strikeouts around and you know takes walks and hits homers or whatever will be able to survive the the decreased contact better than someone who depends on contact and would be affected by that disproportionately.
0: Yeah, so the question is does the do the changes in the game adapt uh, to the way the style is is being played, it, like if it were the case that you know as strikeouts rose, that ballparks would be built um, more to favor them, or that rules in the game would be built kind of with uh, you know accepting that strategy and and you know maybe um, you know adapting to that strategy, then you could see it. My my personal theory is that it's it's not exactly contact hitters. I don't think it's contact hitters, uh, people with a natural contact ability. The benefit. I think it's hitters that have a different stra- contact strategy, uh, particularly a swing early in the count strategy, uh, because the way I see it, um, basically, uh, in a in a in a kind of g- general way, the sport is like a whole bunch of six-year-olds chasing a soccer ball, and wherever the soccer ball goes, they go. And so, if everybody is striking out a lot more, the strategies will go. Uh, we'll, we'll try to counter that. That will be um, the way the game changes will be to counter, you know, the 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 largest threat. And if the largest threat is the high strikeout, high home run hitter or the high strikeout, high walk hitter, perhaps, maybe we'll just say the 3-2 uh, true outcomes hitter, then the strategies of the game, the way the pitchers develop, the way the pitchers are selected to defeat them, the way that catchers call pitches um, will all be, the way that defense is played, will all be geared toward uh, battling that, right? Cause that's, that's, you're going to get your most money battling three true outcomes hitters if there are more three true outcomes hitters. So, uh, by almost by definition, whatever, uh, approach goes counter to the prevailing defense will, uh, have some sort of edge. So in this case, I would say that pitchers are more likely to, uh, you know, to throw strikes early in the count maybe, knowing that hitters aren't going to swing as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe defenses are more prone to uh, to play uh, in uh, positions that are reflective of a, a sort of a more swing-from-the-heels style of batting. And so the, the hitters that are swinging for line drives early in the count seem to have an edge, would have an edge.
1: Mm-hmm. That's my theory. Okay, that makes sense. And what about pitchers, then?
0: Uh, and, of course, the, the other—I the, mean, it, it depends what we mean by benefit. If, if the question is who benefits in the game that we're watching, uh, that's one answer. If, you, if, the, if, if benefit is who has a 15-year career, whereas they might otherwise have been overlooked— then yes, it's definitely the Rob Deer type, right? I mean, there there are probably dozens of guys who uh, who never had careers who would be, um, you know, making a few million dollars if they were playing in a in an era that forgave them their sins the way that this one does. Um, so for pitchers, um, huh? I guess I don't know. I huh? I haven't thought about that
1: yeah uh, neither have I. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it I know Sean's suggestion, you know, is it the borderline pitcher who might otherwise be toiling away in triple A? That doesn't strike me as right because uh, it's not like because pitchers on the whole are more effective, you 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 would just call up someone who's not as good because relative to the other pitchers, he's still not as good. Um.
0: Yeah, strategically, I'm not sure what the answer is. I think in a larger sense that the pitchers that benefit the most are sixth inning relievers who uh, are in much more demand in, in this environment than they would be, uh, you know, in, a, in an environment where everybody was, um, you know, trying to Greg Maddox it out there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like... I know that strikeouts don't actually add pitches the way that it sort of assumed that they do mm-hmm. but still don't you think that this the three true outcomes mode of baseball um is part of the reason that we see s- uh you know shorter outings by starters and more specialization
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: i don't know i don't know if that's true i haven't thought about mm-hmm. that i
1: don't
0: know okay um number two more mm-hmm. from sean With Mariano Rivera set to retire, and Derek Jeter most likely retiring after the 2014 season, I got to wondering, is Derek Jeter the ideal hitter to have against Mariano Rivera? I've always heard commentators say right-handed hitters have an easier time hitting Rivera's cutter because it cuts away from them rather than in on their hands. And of course, Jeter is iconic for slashing singles and doubles down the right field and first base line. It seems to me Rivera's cutter would play right into Jeter's wheelhouse, yet fans never got to see the two face each other.
1: Uh, sure. That sounds possible. Um, I mean, it's true that, that right-handed hitters hit better off of Rivera. They still hit terribly off of him, but, uh, I think the difference is about 60 points of OPS or something. Um, so sure. And a a high contact guy and, uh, I don't see why not.
0: You watched, I mean, you've been watching Rivera your entire life. You've seen uh, you know, a huge number of base hit, of the base hits that he has allowed. What is the sort of classic base hit against Mariano Rivera?
1: Well, I don't know. When I think of it, it's kind of the just the blooper that falls in, uh-huh. and I guess that's kind of cheater. I mean, he hits hits a lot of I don't know. He doesn't really hit bloopers, but he just sort of he hits a lot of soft line drives over the second baseman, or you know, over that gap there. So. Sure.
0: I, you know, we get, we've probably been asked, I would guess 10 times about having a skills competition in the All-Star break Mm -hmm. and like what skills you would like to see. And and I, I, we might've answered it once. Um, normally I, we don't answer it and frankly, I'm not that interested in a skills competition in the All-Star game. I find baseball skills to be incredibly boring, divorced from the context of the game. And my go-to example of this is that nobody watches sprinting on TV. You know, nobody's, like, watching the, the, the you know, Pan Am games, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's super fast people running against each other. And yet we're all sort of <laughs> obsessed with the idea of Carlos Gomez and Brett Gardner running, and I don't know why. So I find baseball skills to be boring. I find people throwing to be basically boring unless there's a runner to measure them against, and um, so you know I'm not into a skills competition. However, it is interesting that baseball has virtually no sideshow uh, industry. There's there you know there there was you know there's the home run derby, and there used to be a sort of more interesting home run derby where like Hank Aaron and Willie Mays would be in an empty ballpark on Saturday afternoon. Um, like in the Classic Home Run Derby. But, you know, like, you know when Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig tried to hit against the 17-year-old girl Mm -hmm. way long ago? Like, that's, like, good sideshow stuff. And you used to have this because... I don't know, maybe it was because you had the Negro League, so you had like almost parallel leagues that could play against each other, or maybe it was because there was the, this sort of uh, line between majors and minors and amateur was so kind of shaky that um, there you could have weird matchups, but... Um, I mean, it does seem like it would have been nice if, at some point in the last 15 years, somebody had put Jeter and Rivera against each other and figured out a way to make it interesting, like a like a skins game for baseball. There should be some sort of off-season, like weird off-the-wall off-season matchups where you get to you get to you get to choose the matchup and and you get to choose the the rules. Like 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 John Boyce is breaking Madden, except with real people. Like we get to decide what the weirdness is.
1: Yeah, I guess. Well, first of all, those two strike me as probably the the last two players who would ever agree to do that. Um, but
0: well, the know. problem is they get. We got to start paying them a lot less. I mean, the, but, first, yeah, that's, that's the better, first thing we do that's is that's we right. cut their pay to like thirty thousand a year. Exactly. We do that, <laughs> and we have a lot more fun.
1: Right. Yeah, because players used to have regular jobs during the off season, and and they would barnstorm and everything because you know, not for love of the game so much as because they just needed to make a living. Um, so sure, yeah, if we went back to that, I'm sure players would, would be willing to do all sorts of wacky stuff.
0: Would you um, Would you pay to see Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter face each other right now? Like, would you pay a dollar? Uh, sure, a dollar, yeah. Would, uh, would you pay six dollars?
1: hmm yeah <laughs>
0: okay would you pay 950
1: <laughs> no
0: okay so somewhere between six dollars and 950 so now we just have to figure out how many ben lindbergs are out there willing to pay <laughs> i'd be curious $7. To, $7. 25
1: i'd <laughs> be curious to see them like face each other for a full season and know what would happen one at bat wouldn't wouldn't be worth a lot to me
0: no, one in that wouldn't be worth a lot. You'd have to make a you'd have to make a you'd have to make a 60-minute show out of it somehow.
1: Yeah,
0: right. It, when I mean they, when, there was also when in the 80s there was the the Saturday afternoon thing where like Steve Sachs and Randall Cunningham would be doing like water polo against each other. It was super weird. It was like people from various sports playing various other sports against mm-hmm. each other. <laughs> um, so that I always didn't really like that much. Mm-hmm. But I like the spirit of it. I just didn't like it that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I'm Higher on the skills competition than you are, I think. Well, it's true that I wouldn't want to watch those players do those things exclusively, but we know them from baseball. and so watching them do a, you know, a, a sprint or a throwing competition or whatever is, is a different context. It's interesting. Um, If Brett Gardner were just a sprinter, I wouldn't care how fast Brett Gardner ran and whether he could run faster than, you know, Billy Hamilton or whoever, but because we know them from their baseball skills and we don't really get to see those things and we don't get to measure those skills against each other, it would be interesting to me once a year.
0: But why... I mean, first of all, like, so let's just imagine, we'll limit it to running. Okay. So you have Gardner and, and Hamilton. Um, what are you trying to answer? You're trying to answer who is faster at running? Just, yep. just who's faster it's the, running? it's the
1: fastest man in baseball.
0: In a non-baseball context, like they're going to be, what is the race? Uh,
1: I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they just both run home to first or something.
0: Have you never seen either of them run home to first? <laughs>
1: uh I have
0: I mean these are the most clocked athletes <laughs> in the world that is what they they do they run for men with stopwatches
1: Yeah well I don't time them usually but uh-huh. so yeah if I if I worked for a team and could just look up times on everyone then that would satisfy my curiosity
0: Oh my gosh so you want them to you actually want them to create an entire event in All Star Weekend, where people would have to be flown. I mean, think about the the carbon footprint of this event, for one thing. <laughs> but people would have to be flown into a, a foreign city, Cincinnati probably. They'd probably have to fly people to Cincinnati so some, some years and make them run just so that you don't have to take out the stopwatch that you bought, that you <laughs> paid for, that you went and got $30 out of your bank account to buy a stopwatch. You don't even want to use it. So now you're going to make now you're going to make Brett Gardner fly on his one day off of the
1: year. Uh I'd have to give him some incentive, I guess. I don't I don't know, maybe runnings not the best example, but throwing throwing accuracy maybe. How many times you know can you hit the target or something? God. No.
0: You know what I you know what I think about a lot, Ben? I, I keep I keep coming back to the fact that Kevin Goldstein recommended different stopwatches to us.
1: I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not
0: sure what that means. Yeah. I. Does, do you think that he hates one of us?
1: <laughs> he may have been trying to sabotage one of us, yeah.
0: Just one of us, though. <laughs> I
1: don't know. Actually, I think he may have given me some abuse for this. I I thought I bought a stopwatch that was recommended by either him or Jason, but then I feel like he gave me some abuse for the stopwatch that I had at Scout School. So maybe I misremembered, but but the whole basis of his complaint about my stopwatch was that like it required one additional button press. So I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, if it if it keeps the appropriate time, uh, that's pretty much what I want it for.
0: All right, so the third question from Sean, How differently, if at all, would baseball games be managed? If league standings were constructed as they are in soccer, three points for victory, one point for tie, zero for loss. With no threat of extra innings, pitchers wouldn't need to be saved for an epic 18-inning affair. So I would have to think managers would go to their bullpens with less hesitation, maybe bring in a handful of pitchers in succession over the course of only a couple innings based on matchups. At the same time, maybe teams wouldn't need so many bullpen arms and could use those roster spots on extra bats on the bench, thus freeing up managers from keeping subpar hitters in the entire game because they don't have adequate enough replacements to make it worth pulling starters. I think that whenever people talk about ending extreme extra innings um and you know there's a, I think there's a, a semi movement going toward this mm. um and maybe it's maybe the movement is because it seems like other sports have all over the last 15 years moved toward this not basketball but other sports have um, they um you know Brandon McCarthy I know has is, you know complains when a game goes past 14 or so and mm. uh, Tango Tango doesn't like it he thinks that the fact that the, uh, that the crowd most of the crowd is gone by the end mm-hmm. uh, and therefore they have left unhappy is is evidence that you shouldn't you shouldn't have a game that uh, <laughs> that that uh, goes longer than the uh, you know the paying customer wants it to go mm-hmm. um, I think though that this underestimates the impact on strategy that it would have because it, it uh, as you know as Sean suggests pitchers wouldn't need to be saved for an epic 18 inning affair. I think that's a huge, huge part of what dictates um, pitcher usage. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, if if you didn't have any chance of a game going 10 innings, um, I really feel like we would see the all bullpen uh, pitching staff within five years.
1: Yeah, possibly. I that could be right. I don't know.
0: I mean, sorry, I just want to interrupt real quick yeah, I, it, I because think. because uh, not, I mean, you think about uh how managers are so risk averse with their backup catchers where mm-hmm. they won't even they won't even let their backup catcher pinch hit because maybe there's an injury that mm-hmm. knocks their starting catcher out of the game and they won't have a catcher which just never happens I mean you go hundreds of games without your catcher being knocked out by injury and you're worried that it's going to happen in like the next two innings and mm-hmm. You have, you, you know, usually you you could theoretically put somebody back there, uh, even if you had to. And so what? Even if it did happen one out of two hundred times, so you'd lose a game that you're 50% likely to lose anyway. It's a tiny, tiny thing, and yet managers, like many managers, will just absolutely refuse to pinch hit um, with their last catcher. And so if they're that risk averse with something that is almost, uh, you know, almost never going to come into play, just think about how much it's weighing on them. As it is with pitchers, where that's actually a really significant thing, and it's a legitimate threat. I mean, managers actually do run out of pitchers as it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That would that would change things quite a bit. And are we are we both against the the movement to limit limit extra innings?
0: Well, I'm against it for I'm against I, it for I'm, enjoyment reasons. I, right. So am it's, I. It's, It's the only thing I like about baseball, really, is the the possibility that it might never end. You know, when I was a kid, I, um, I really loved playing games. Um, and I was the youngest, you know, the youngest kid. And so the youngest person in the household. And so I wanted to play more games than anybody else wanted to play. And nobody else really wanted to play games with me. And so once I would get a game going, I never wanted that game to end. So I, my strategy in games has always been to be winning, but not win. Like I like to, I like to take every piece on the board, but never actually, you know, (laughs) get checkmate because then the game's over and they're like, okay, I got to go do chores. So I think that, that it might be a psychological thing that I ne- – once a baseball game is interesting, I never actually want it to end. It makes me sad that it will. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, the the aesthetics of extra innings to me are so much more uh, interesting than than in, in the rest of the game. I mean, the the, the tension of not knowing what's coming and the, the sort of growing sense of fatigue and just the way things get weird, it's, it's why baseball is interesting. If you took away everything after the 14th inning, uh, you're – I would guess that t- there's probably what 20 innings out of the entire baseball season that are beyond the 15th or beyond the 14th and those 20 innings probably make up 50% of my enjoyment of the sport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I sort of had the same thing like when I used to play Monopoly like there there comes a point in a Monopoly game where you know that you've lost and there's really no coming back from it and you might as well just stop then uh, and start a new game or do something else and I would just go to any length to keep the game going <laughs> and just yeah, I would I would like mortgage myself to the hill and just like offer my opponent ridiculous terms in order to hang on to like one property so I could just make one more turn around the board.
0: Um, and even even the reverse, even when you're winning, yeah, when you, finish, when you finally hit that finishing <laughs> blow, there is, a, there is a sort of a sense of death that comes when you actually defeat somebody at, at a board game. It's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah I, I felt bad. <laughs> All
0: right. La- uh, last question uh, is from Eric, um, uh, Eric Hartman. Uh, I would like to request a hot take debate on the merits of intentional walks. Uh, or as Eric writes... International walks. (laughs) Uh, I would like to request a hot take debate on the merits of international walks, counting the same for a player's stats as an unintentional walk. I would like Ben to argue that they should count the same and Sam that they should not. That is my request.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, I guess my argument that they should count the same is that uh, it would be difficult to separate... It would be difficult to separate the the cases where it's a result of skill from the ones where it's not right because there are you know there are players who get a lot of intentional walks because they're really good hitters and pitchers are afraid to face them and that seems like it should be counted as part of their value uh the fact that they scare people into putting them on base is valuable um there are then also, you know, people who just happen to bat eighth in the National League and they get walked so that the pitcher can face the opposing pitcher, and that's that's just a, a consequence of where the manager puts them. It's not really intrinsic to them, uh, but it would be it would be tough to to separate that. You'd have to you'd have to discount it for certain players more than others. I feel like, and it's yeah, and it's dependent on you know lineup and all these things. So. So that's my argument
0: well the argument for why they shouldn't count is very obvious and and it's 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 ten letters it's Barry bonds he mm. he's a horrible man he should he shouldn't be allowed to to breathe the same air as us let alone be glorified with uh, with the value of an intentional walk I mean mm. there are there are you know scores of times in his career where uh, opposing pitchers just simply decided that he was just too despicable a human being to face on an even playing field, and they simply allowed him to leave their sight. And we're going to say that that's part of what made him great? No, no. <laughs> um, that was hot. Hot. No, I mean, the 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 thing about it is that, besides the number eight hitter uh, exception, which, you know, that's that is something that is complicating when you're trying to evaluate players, and that actually does mislead, I think from time to time, but there's two things statistics do, right? One is they tell you what happened and the other is they tell you with, you know, they help you estimate what's going to happen. And the intentional walk, uh, as a means of measuring value is true. A player who's really good and gets those intentional walks, uh, was valuable. Um, even if it's a different kind of value, if, if the other team is scared of him, that's just as good as if he's simply good. Um, but as a way of measuring skill, which is how we predict the future, they they aren't they aren't useful for predicting skill. And so um, you know they if you're if you're looking at OBP or if you're looking at really any SAT uh, that tries to forecast um, you know how good a player is likely to be next year, um, it's yeah it's probably a, a pretty good idea to. I mean certainly if you're measuring plate discipline, um, I I find myself lazily looking at players walk rates like Prince Mm -hmm. Fielder that this came up in um, I think in the Prince Fielder transaction analysis actually where Prince Fielder's numbers uh, were way down this year and his OBP was way down and his walks were way down and, and it looks like a really pretty damning thing that his walks are way down and you think, well, oh, he's losing his eye or he's losing his patience or something like that. And so then you look at his plate discipline stats and you see that he's swinging just as much and they're pitching him you know, more or less the same way. And then you realize, oh, well, he used to draw 30 intentional walks and now he's drawn, you know, drawing five because there's a left-handed batter behind him or a switch hitter mm-hmm. behind him. It's the first time in his career he's ever batted with a switch hitter behind him. And that's the entire extent of it. And I, uh, if I hadn't been writing the transaction analysis and gone the extra two steps because i was doing that i would have come away thinking that prince fielder had lost uh his plate discipline or was losing his effectiveness as a batter but it's not that it's simply victor martinez that's the entire thing so uh so yeah that's why it shouldn't count in however you're planning to count it
1: well we do have uh in our in our sortable stats at baseball perspectives we have unintentional walk rate and i do i do look at that and and i guess i 'd be even quicker to, to discount it or disregard it for pitchers right because I, I, I guess if you're a pitcher who gets himself in trouble a lot or, or I I guess you you might be more likely to, to have to issue intentional walks um, but like like Ronald Bel- Belisario who just signed who's non tendered by the Dodgers and signed with the White Sox had yeah 10, ten. ten, ten know, intentional right? walks. Unbelievable. It's crazy. He led the Major Leagues with 10 intentional walks. The guy who His pitched,
0: entire his <laughs> entire comment in the BP annual is about that.
1: Yeah, so he pitched 68 innings and walked 10 intentional walks and he had 28 total walks. So that really changes his walk rate. He, you know, he walked almost 4 per 9 and that seems like a lot, but then you subtract those 10 intentional walks and he had 10 intentional walks because he's a, a ground baller and Don Mattingly liked to to set up the double play with him pitching. And and that that annual comment that you're referencing says that none of those intentional walks led to a double play. Four of the intentionally walked runners did come around to score. So uh, that probably wasn't a great idea. But, you know, you can't really hold that against Belisario. Um so for him, I would be inclined to discount that. What about, uh, what's your stance on a related statistical topic uh, reached on errors? Because that's one I was writing about with Aoki today, uh, and I I like the move a lot for the Royals, and, and Aoki is, uh, he's a higher OBP guy than, than anyone on the Royals, except for Billy Butler over the past couple of seasons, and... Mm-hmm. His OBP is, you know, he walks a, a decent amount and he makes good contact and he gets hit by pitch, hits by pitches pretty often, like two and a half times the, the league average rate. But uh, his OBP does not factor in the the fact that he reaches on error all the time, more often than any, any hitter. Over the last two seasons, he has reached on error 27 times. Uh, and if you... If you just if you just added those 27 reach on errors to his OBP, it would raise it 22 points, so he'd be a 377 OBP guy instead of a 355 OBP guy. Of course, uh, if you add the reach on errors to his OBP, you'd have to add it to every hitter's. But I calculated what the difference was there, and uh, even if you added reach on errors to every hitter's. OBP Aoki's would would have risen by 12 points relative to to league average which is a lot and I you know it, it is a skill to some extent like he gets all these reach on errors because he hits a ton of ground balls he hits the most ground balls uh highest ground ball rate in the majors and he's a speedy guy uh and I don't know maybe he hits the ball hard or something and so he gets all these reach on errors and with certain guys, it might not be skill. I mean, some errors are just, you know, just errors, but there's there's definitely some signal in that noise there, like right-handed, right-handed hitters who pull the ball on the ground and, and require a longer throw from the third baseman or shortstop have a higher reach-on-error rate than left-handed hitters and, you know, ground ball guys and speed guys. So there's there's something to that.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that um, counting reach on air for the hitter is totally legit. I think that uh, all OBP should include it. And basically, I, I my my thinking is like the first five that you get are all basically flukes. And uh, you know, the whether you have five one year or uh, five or, or one is basically totally random. And um, you know, whatever. But that's. The difference between five and one is you're going to do such a small thing to your OBP that it won't actually really matter. It's just part of the, the part of the noise in baseball. But once you get beyond five, it's all skill. And five might not be the number, but once you get beyond whatever number, it's all skill, and batters should get credit for it. All right, all right. That. End okay. of week. All right,
1: uh, end of week housekeeping. Uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to the show on iTunes, and we hope that you will. Uh, I enjoy reading the reviews and sending some of them to Sam. Um, and you can join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild, which is ever growing and ever improving. Uh, and you can email us at podcast at So we hope that you enjoy your weekend and rejoin us for another show on Monday.
0: Three forty-three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go. I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna just go and you command me.
1: <laughs> Three, two, one, go.
0: <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Why can't you just do it?
1: Three, two, one.